world? This is Satori Shakur with Episode 6 of Twisted Storytellers Podcast. This next story is from Catherine Rue, The Perfect Family. Or is it? Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Rue. I am from a holy family. My mother is a minister, an ordained minister, Methodist. My brother is also a minister, an ordained minister, Methodist. My sister, she too is a minister, lay minister, Methodist. (laughs) One more brother, minister's bestie, (laughs) Methodist. Me, the youngest of the family, I'm no minister, just accidental Methodist by birth. And my father, speaking of my father, I have two fathers. Our father on earth, Methodist, and our Father, who art in heaven, definitely Methodist. <laughs> there is one more thing you should know about my devout Korean-American Methodist family. We are also Orthodox Confucian. As far as I know, Confucianism has far more rules than any brand of Christianity, including Methodist. (laughs) When you combine Methodist and Confucian rules together, ordinary things can turn into something very serious. Actually, Methodist and Confucian rules have one thing in common. They encourage us to keep our gaze turned upward, cultivating our spiritual and noble character of our human nature. To that end, we had a very short list of pre-approved activities. (laughs) Praying and studying, going to church and going to school, memorizing the Bible and getting 100% on every test. (laughs) That has meant, though, suppressing the colorful reality of our bodily existence. Our bodily functions were strictly regulated by a long list of prohibited activities. (laughs) The essence of this long list boiled down to one absolute ban. Thou shalt not, under any circumstances, make any 
bodily noises. <laughs> Excessive talking, talking while eating, chewing loudly, belching, burping, and farting. <laughs> In short, we were not allowed to experience any of the fun things that children do with their bodies as part of growing up, even though we were lovingly nurtured in all other ways. A typical dinner scene from my childhood. A long, heartfelt prayer followed by a chorus of amen. A clear sign that we can now begin to eat. Actually, the whole time everybody had their eyes closed in prayer, I've been eyeing the delicious-looking fish drooling. How can I focus on praying when I'm so hungry? And that fish, I don't even know what it is. It smells so yummy. But at our table, Nothing can happen until our father picks up his chopsticks and begins to eat. That's our Confucian way of honoring the patriarch of the family. And now my father picks up the chopsticks, but his arm does not reach for the fish placed at the center of the table set right in front of him. Instead, he turns to a vegetable dish to his right. You see, my Confucian father naturally would not turn immediately to the best dish on the table because that would make him look too eager to eat. But until he does so, that fish is beyond my reach. <laughs> and, and being the youngest of the family, I have to wait even longer than anybody else. And this unbearably long wait is now killing me. And in desperation, I turn to our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> please, please make my father eat that fish soon so I can have some too. And now I'm praying in earnest and it must have worked because I finally get to taste that fish. Now I want to enjoy it as long as possible, so I place only a tiny bit of fish each time on top of a spoonful of steamed rice, and I put it slowly to my mouth and chew it very, very slowly. Mmm, mmm. It's so tender and salty, just like how I like it with the rice. Mm -mm. I'm loving each bite, but I'm also trying very hard to eat as quietly <laughs> as possible. I want my parents to see how well-mannered I am and love me all the more for it. When I go to college, my perfect world laid out according to confusion and Christian ethics and rules begin to develop 
chips and fine hairline cracks, <laughs> though only visible to me. My roommate, Beth, Jewish, and the kindest person I've ever met. She becomes my soulmate during my college years. And who knew that I would have so much in common with a Jewish girl? I enroll in a French class, and I just tell her, "Beth, I'm just taking this course for the pleasure of learning." Oh, Kathy, just for the pleasure of learning, you sound so Jewish. So I begin to share with her more about myself. Beth, you know, I hear voices in my head. My uh, my parents saying to me, "Don't do this, don't do that." Really, Kathy? Me too. Now I tell her the greatest fear. Beth, you know what I'm most afraid of in life? Disappointing my parents. You too. That's exactly what I'm most worried about. Disappointing my parents. Yet I ended up more than disappointing my parents. I go to graduate school far away from them. I come to Michigan. I marry a non-Christian. And non-Confucian, <laughs> and he's not even Korean, <laughs> and he is younger than me. <laughs> to top it all, I eventually divorce him. <laughs> By then, I had. Definitely, had turned into the black sheep of my Korean Confucian Christian family. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you, just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at wdet.org or tap donate in our mobile app. After having transgressed on so many fronts, <laughs> I am on a solitary journey of life. This solitary journey took on an unexpected turn in my 30s. However, Dad, how is Grace doing? Not so well. She is still in the ICU. Her doctor will not release her until she can pass gas. <laughs> Kathy, please, please pray for her that she pass gases soon. Grace is my sister, the oldest of us, the four children. At age 39, she was diagnosed with advanced colon cancer. 
she has survived after a series of operations, but to this day, she still suffers from many complications. When she is unable to pass gas, the pressure builds up in her body, and she inevitably ends up back in the intensive care unit. That is why regaining her ability to pass gas has been the focus of endless prayers <laughs> by Grace herself and a whole community of her supporters. <laughs> Even I prayed in earnest for my sister to pass gas. With this new question of spirituality and fletchlance <laughs> weighing heavily in my mind, I happened to visit my dear friend Diana from our graduate school years. Diana is one of those rare and special people who can stay in touch with their inner child all through their life. <laughs> I walk over to her bookshelf and begin to scan it with my two fingers, running over the book spines, spotting a title, The Gas We Pass, My Fingers Stop. <laughs> Intrigued, I pull it out of the bookshelf and take a look at its cover. The gas we pass. The story of farts. <laughs> Seeing its subtitle and a gigantic rear view of an elephant, I'm completely taken in and begin to read the book. The very first line, when an elephant farts, its farts are really big. And now I see the same elephant, the profile of the same elephant, covering a whole page and a half. It is now standing with its eyes closed and bashfully letting out a loud baroom. Knocking down a father and son standing nearby. The next page begins with people fart too. The same father and son are now in a deep bathtub. The father seated and the son standing and watching bubbles rising from their bodies. Plip, plip, plip. Now I cannot put this book down. <laughs> it, go <laughs> it goes on to explain why we naturally pass gas and precisely how much. 3.5 ounces per release, 17 ounces per day. It also explains what happens when you 
try to hold your farts. You, your stomach may hurt, and you could get a headache, or you could get dizzy. So don't hold them in. Pass that gas. Diana, Diana, where did you get this book? I, I must get it for my sister. You know, my sister has a serious issue with passing gas. Well, just take that and give it to her. So, from returning from this trip, I take this book to my sister at one of our family's gatherings, and it becomes an instant hit. When Grace reads this delightfully illustrated Japanese children's book, she begins to laugh, and it helps her release gas. <laughs> Now everyone wants to read it, and finding hard to wait for a turn, some of us go out and purchase our personal copy. <laughs> Now, when we get together. We talk about it. We read it together, and we commit key passages to our memory. And my favorite passages is, of course, "Don't hold them in, pass that gas, pass that gas." That is how the gas we pass has become our family's new Bible. And we reverently refer to it simply as the fart book. <laughs> My sister's journey, life, life journey with cancer, has thus opened up a new way for me to bond with my family in a different way. And this time, through our collective. Spiritual experience in the mysterious power of flatulence. <laughs> flatulence cannot be willed; it must occur naturally, <laughs> in the fullness of time. <laughs> With it, my the very. Tune of my family's sonic scape has been transformed forever. The earthy sound of our bodies enhances the flavor of every meal that we have come to share. <laughs> As grown-ups, now all of us. Officially, senior citizens, our parents, and the four children, and we always remember to end our family gathering with a benediction from our new family Bible. <laughs> Fart thee well.
Thank you, Catherine Rue. <laughs> Twisted Storytellers is a production of WDET in Detroit. Recorded live at the Wright Museum by Connor Anderson and Rasan Cherry. Sound design and mix by Sam Bobian, podcast coordinator Joan Isabella, and special thanks to Michael Perkins. I am your host, Satori Shakur, and thank you, MGM Grand Detroit, for supporting Season 2 of Twisted Storytellers Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>